So without further ado, welcome again to the journey with me day. I know where I was, this is where I am, and together we're about to find out where I am going to be. Hello, Ms. Bolatife. Um, it's really, really nice to get you on board, to get you to have um, this episode with me. Um, I think we've been trying to do this for how long? I think a couple of weeks now. Uh, yeah, we're doing this finally. And uh, yeah, thank you so much. So before we get into the topic of the day, uh, definitely I would like my listeners to get to meet you, to get to know who's going to be talking with us. So I would like you to introduce yourself to um, everyone listening. But there's, there's a way we do it here. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, you actually only have 30 seconds to to give a general introduction of yourself. So yeah, um, 30 seconds and your time starts now. All right. Good evening. Thank you maybe for having me here tonight. I'm Boluatafe Ogunei. I'm fondly conditioned by Mary Boluatafe. I'm an emotional wellness coach. Is a mental health advocate. I just love helping people. I really love helping people. Wow. I think that's all. That's it. Wow, that's, that's super yeah. impressive. Okay, that was even under the 30 seconds mark. Um, amazing and hmm, interesting. So, so you mentioned two major things being, uh, yeah. So, so. Um, can you recap your exact role again? Because I think a lot of us um, we we misplace um, emotional health experts and mental health. Can, can you which one exactly are you? Yeah. Okay, let me say I'm an emotional wellness coach. I advocate for mental health a lot, and that's because it's, mental health is like the general umbrella, and emotional wellness is found under mental health and most people just you know there's this spotlight on mental health and mm -hmm. while living other areas of mental of mental health and this deals more about how we manage our emotions you know being emotionally intelligent even you know thriving in challenging times building your resilience your agility your strength i, I mean it's just a whole lot but it's a key aspect of mental health also. So I coach people in that area and I advocate for mental health. Mental health is so broad, like so, so broad. But I do advocate for mental health also. Wow, that's uh, that's really amazing. So if we, okay, so yeah, that's what you do professionally. And then um, you say you help people, you love to help people. So yeah, um, what we like to do, what I like to do here is to break down your, your um, introduction, the introduction of yourself, break it down, and um, we talk about those different parts. So the, the two major things you highlighted is your your job, your role, which is um, being an emotional wellness coach and um, an advocate for mental health. And second thing was you love to help people. I, I think as a job, we're definitely going to you know, get into the details of that, being an emotional wellness coach and um, how it relates to what we're about to discuss. So um, let's talk about how you help people and how you love to help people. Um, how, how did this uh, passion of help, how, how did you build it and where did it come from? It's actually a long story, but I'm just going to skip the book of the story. Um, I developed a passion to help people right from when I was in secondary school. I just discovered that I hate it when, yeah, I'm, I'm using that strong word. I don't, okay, I dislike it when people are not doing what they're supposed to do as a result of their experiences, what they are going through, and which has formed like a barrier and limitation to what they can achieve and what they can do with their lives. And I just thought it was just, you know, a natural, you know, maybe a young person that was just extremely compassionate until I was able to, you know, put it all together when I 
interviewing. And I saw like that, that passion was just there to help people. And you know what they say about um, some things are not just coincidence in life. You know, I, I see people opening up to me a lot, you know, telling me stories about their lives. And that really fueled the passion. And I sought for knowledge in that area. So I was able to even pinpoint some of the cases. Yeah, I'll call it small cases. Some of the small cases I was able to handle then. And I, I read about it, but at the point, I, I just thought um, towards, you know, um, before the lockdown, I just thought, I just don't want to do a general knowledge about this thing. I really want to, you know, um, do some programs around it. You know, I wrote for some programs online. I, I studied around it. I was able to apply techniques and even help people get results in that area. So let me say the proper journey started 2020, um, where I was able to even apply the things I was learning. And I wasn't learning it because maybe I had, or mm-hmm. m- maybe because I was depressed, yeah. or because maybe I wanted to commit suicide, or yeah. probably I was having out to burst or yeah. having issues with hand. I just saw the need to help people. And I don't know, I just feel good when I see people, you know, I work with people um, for a certain period of time, maybe six months, some people a year. Mm-hmm. I, I personally just know someone who's been only case for like, yeah, close to two years now. And the fact that I see them get a result by the time, I'm, I'm not harsh on them. I'm not like, okay, you know what, you brought a case today, mm-hmm. the more it must get better. I mean, I've seen that daily progress they've made and it's just excites me yeah and maybe because there was a particular time of my life too i i sort of had you know a little challenge and the fact that i i was emotionally down it really did affected me and that also you know inspired me to really master the area of my emotions and how i can even thrive even when it looks like you know, I'm in a challenging time, how I can be, you know, a better version of myself despite difficulties and from stores going on. So that really for the passion for helping people and speaking with people. Then I love listening to people a lot. Mm. I think that's, that, that made it a lot easier. So I just enjoyed when people, you know, come, or come to me, they open up to me, you know, I listen to them. And I think most of my friends used to say, like, I, I encourage people a lot. I never did know until, like, people started telling me to that. You know what? You know, when we speak to you, you kind of encourage us. And I was like, I was just doing it unconsciously. I never knew I was yeah. really doing that to people. So um, I think that summarizes it. That's, uh, that, that's really impressive. And um, I think... Yeah. Not everybody ha- has this naturally. Um, just like you said, you, you didn't have to go through something to to realize how important it was to help people um, feel better in, in the times where they feel most, uh, or in the time when they have like um, you know the most despair or, or the most um, um, negativity that things can't go right. And um, this is something you have uh, tried to to help people feel better you know, in, um, even right from when you were young, then you never even knew what you were doing. And uh, it's uh, really impressive where that has led you to. And um, if, if I may write, um, you, you talked about a, a certain time where you didn't feel so good at some point and it really um, yeah. affected yeah. you as well. Was this before you, um, yeah. Was this before you became a coach or started trying to become a coach, or was this uh, during or after? And can is this something you can talk about now? Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think I would, you know, talk about that. But I would say, like, mm-hmm. part of it started um, even after I've, I, I did a program on emotional wellness coaching. I, I remember then I took an online course for like six months. Interesting. Um, although it's it was self-paced kind of mm-hmm. so i you know just imagine you finishing your course about something and you're not it, it really came as if you know at a point i was like oh it wasn't because i took this course that this happened to me like mm-hmm. because i i saw it as a test and 
in in a way aside from yeah it it was pretty a, a difficult season mm-hmm. and um okay one thing i would say i did was i i didn't waste my pain during that season i mm-hmm. i brought purpose out of it i didn't waste it and now it's it makes me to be more empathic and when people share their story i can relate better when people share their what they're going through i can relate better yeah it it came right after i did my training then that was during lockdown 2020 so it it was really difficult just like i said Mm. I was able to apply some of the, th- you know, some of the mm. things I I learned then. I was able to apply it. Yeah. And and you believe this this helped you become a, a better coach later on? Yeah, it it did because I was even able to, you know, um, in in some cases, you know, it's not like a one size fits all. For example, mm. it's possible I have a different approach for different people, yeah. and yeah. I was able to sit down and craft what really worked for me. How mm. I, I was able to, you know, come out of that experience and become better, and how not to relapse into that experience again. So it's it really worked, and that's what coaching does. I mean, when people come to you, you don't necessarily, yeah, even if you have a pattern to which you work with people, yeah. based on their experience and some of the questions, you know, yeah. when people come for coaching like that, you, you take them through a series of questions. You want to get to know more about them, mm-hmm. the situation and some of the things. You're able to put, uh, you know, give them what would really work for them. I mean, something like tailored made for them. Yeah. So it's even gave me that experience. Like, will I say I was my first client or <laughs> person I attended to after that program? That's, it, uh... it was not even funny at that time because I was like, what's this? I just finished <laughs> a training on wow. on on emotional wellness and this is happening to me so it was not even funny that's that's uh that's really cool and i think um um experience is still the best teacher and not just the experience yeah. itself i mean people that teach from experience are one of the most amazing teachers yeah. we have and uh that's that's really amazing um super super cool to hear you um talk about this experience and how it really uh, you know helped you become a better coach and you know Get to really better yeah. with, with um with your clients and and um so tell us more about where you work and and uh, how people get to speak with you. I'm I'm just so if anybody is listening, they know maybe how to probably reach out to people like you or um if you work for an organi- for an organization, your organization, you know things like that. All right, okay. I'll just limit the work um experience to the work I do with emotional wellness and mental health advocate. Yeah, I also advocate for girl child, even though I'm not loud on it yet. All right, so for now, I I do most, let me say like 90% of the people I've worked with, uh, um, people we've worked online together. And I would say like maybe less than 10% of people, you know, I've had less than 10% of people, like, I, I'm sitting with them one-on-one, let me put it that way. And last year, I really worked with, I think last year was the, twenty twenty two. I worked with a lot of people, like, in total, compared to the people I've worked with, um, that was in, from um, October 2020, 2020 to 2021. Okay. So, and the experience so far has been fantastic, and I think I, I should really acknowledge that there's been a great awakening, like a great awareness in the area of mental health. Yeah. And I mean, that that's kudos to those stewarding and crusading that movement. It's really been helpful because people yeah. now see the need to ask questions when they see that they are behaving in a certain way. Yeah. And not just that, they, they, they really want to get help. They, they are really willing to open up about their struggles mm-hmm. and the, the same way we've had people talk about their struggles we've had mental health victories too mm-hmm. even emotional wellness victories are that okay over a period of time they've been able to grow their resilience they've been able mm-hmm. to build agility and strength they've been able to master their you know emotions and even will it in 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 the advantage you know they've been able to grow that um, awareness and mindfulness they've been able to 
you know, say that, okay, this is where I need a break. And, you know, I can push for that. I think I need to recharge then so that I won't burn out and so that I can be more effective. And the experience has just been fantastic because last last year I was telling a friend who is also into mental health um, advocacy and a coach. I was telling her that I, I worked more with, with males than females last year. And that was that was so true. I mean, I mean, you know, guys now, and the way yeah. guys can be. I mean, guys really opening up, really yeah, opening up, it, and it, they were not ashamed about it. Mm, no. And that was why I said, you know, people have really done well in the in the area of awareness, telling people that you know, if you're feeling this way, you know, don't keep quiet about it. Get help. Speak to someone about it. And it's it's just been um, you know amazing yeah for confidentiality sake I won't be I won't be sharing specific examples I mean um someone might come across this podcast and, and listen to <laughs> yeah, yeah. so it won't be like um, I'm sharing stories that are relatable and all of that sure but it, the experience has been so fantastic and mm. it's it's been it's yeah I, I count it and say that's a great privilege having to walk people through a, you know that face of life, that face of life where they were initially low and now they, they are coming back, coming alive. I see people going back to their goals, going back to the to, you know, the things they've written down as what they wanted to achieve before, you know, depression before depression came or what they wanted to do before, you know, they had um should I call it midlife crisis now? And all of that. So it's it's been so fantastic. What has so fantastic working with people yeah in 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 some cases you see people not operating at all i mean they open up to you and they run your way or they zone wow. out they, they just don't want to talk to you again they don't want to and it's it's understandable because sometimes you just let people be when they're ready to talk they come back to you not that you keep pursuing them and you know you just want to like okay i mean and you don't go with the approach of I want to help you, like, like you really give, and that patience too. That that's another key thing I've I've realized in working with people. That patience. To some people, it's 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 easier to get them talk. To some people, you have to you know twist them and wind them and, and do all sort of things to get them to talk. But it's it's been so amazing working with people, and the fact that people now see the need for it. You know, it's another thing for people to say you're acting in a certain way. Or maybe people, you know, get, could notice things about you. Then that thing for you to really acknowledge that you need help. Mm-hmm. So that acknowledgement is 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 giving rise to you know healings and people now saying they need to go to therapies. And you know, even in some cases, I've, I've had a case where someone had to you know go see a, a clinician. You know, mm-hmm. a you know, just go to the hospital and you know, the person was placed on antidepressants for a particular time and the person is doing fine now. She's doing fine. So it's it's been amazing working with people. You know, I can go into details and sharing some of the experiences. Yeah. It's it's uh it's really amazing hearing you talk about your work. Like I can tell that you're so passionate about about what you do. Like you're really, really passionate about it. That's uh Hearing you talk about it is really amazing. So, um, so th- there are a couple of points I, I want us to to talk about, right? Um, about men not being, you know, uh, men and opening up, right? Um, also about um, acknowledging when you actually need help, knowing that okay, I can't handle this alone, and I actually need help. So, uh, do you work privately or or with an organization? I work privately. Then currently, I'm partnering with a particular organization to carry out a project on, you know, mental health, especially in youth and adolescents. Currently, so like that's like the project in the next four five months now. I tend to be able to free of charge, like no charge. Oh, yeah. What was the name of this um, organization? Can you share? Yes, Fresh Spring Hope. All right, so I'm going to get that and then um, attach it to the episode description so people can um, probably reach out to when they um, when they need such help. 
So yeah. Um, so I have a couple of questions um, for you, um, based off of things you've said and uh, some things I prepared myself, right? Because, I mean, coming to, coming to to meet you or to request um, you doing this for us came from an, a particular event that happened on, on campus in my school, right? Um, this was um, a suicide event, actually. And definitely things like this do not just happen from from uh from a point of normalcy right and so backstory just for context um um this this based on the information that that i have personally so there were um it was mostly based what we know i'm just trying to be exactly exactly um correct in what i'm saying so yeah what we know so far is um that there was some there was like a certain financial issues that he had you know he was a this person was in a particular leadership position which means he dealt with money in some cases and then there was like a certain situation that um had him in debt right for this particular um amount of money that's and that's all we know so far right and i think um at some point at some point also um, the, the support system he he probably should have relied on you know in this period i'm talking about friends even parents right yeah. um we're not yeah. there for him um at that point that's what i i know so far right and um it was a very sad thing for us to hear and, and that was why i started thinking about ways we could address matters like this and, and that's why i started requesting for for um this kind of conversation on on um, this platform that i have so um so, so the question is uh, how do you how, how do you think one gets to this point and w what are the signs and triggers um you know what signs and triggers do you think we, we should recognize and i think th this goes in two ways right um from the people that are experiencing this thing and for for the rest of us that feel like we're normal because <laughs> i don't know why i think everybody probably has one or two things going on in their lives definitely but for yeah. us that are noticing things um what are the pointers signs and triggers we need to look out for in you know people in our communities in our environment and for people themselves what are the signs and triggers you you see you know right in yourself that that should make you think about needing help that should make you think i I need to talk to somebody or I think I need to see somebody. I, I don't think I can handle this myself. What are those points and triggers? Um, we can, I will start from the, the story you just narrated now about, you know, someone due to um, financial debt, yeah. um, you know, took his life or something like that. First yeah. of all, um, no one suddenly thinks about suicide in a day. I mean, you can that we can probably uh, only meet 20,000 naira. And yeah. the next thing that comes to my mind is okay, the, the solution is for me to just go take my life because yeah. um, I, I can't even think about how to repay the debt or how I can you know, source for the money and all of that. Yeah, sure. And I love what you said about, you know, um, how that is it like the person couldn't think about um, going to family and friends Mm -hmm. even so spoiled you know. that means the person must have thought about the situation over and over again and there is no there's no clue or sign of help coming for the person mm. at least from the person's point of view mm. and that does not mean their judgment was right at that point mm. for example I've, I've i've read stories about people who maybe because they you know due to poverty and financial instability and you know you see a married man with four children and a pregnant wife, you know, going to borrow maybe some stuff from a woman selling something on the street. Mm -hmm. And because of the shame of, you know, having to go back over and over again, take things on credit. And the man who think the best thing to do is just to go take his life and leave the pregnant wife and four children to suffer and to figure out, figure out how they're going to take, them, take care of themselves in life. And most time people do these things because they do not see, you know, the hope of repaying or even getting out of that situation. Yeah. And most time people who do this are already depressed. Mm -hmm. They've been having 
an ongoing episode of depression or previous episodes of depression mm. or things going on in their lives. I mean, I love what you said that couldn't the person I've thought about, okay, let me speak with one or two, three friends, um, you know, probably put up the list of your family members and start calling. By the time you go from, you know, call 10 people, at least you, you get to see someone coming to you. And if someone results to that, it didn't just start a day. Mm. Of course, there's something called, you know, having suicidal, so that's contemplating it. Or should I, should I kill myself? Should I take my life or not? And there's something called suicide ideation, whereby you are planning it out. You're thinking about it now. You're really thinking, you know, how will I commit suicide? How would I carry out it? It's just like you have a plan and you want to execute. So there are different things. Um, you know, most times the hallmark of depression or even suicide at some most time is hopelessness. I mean, mm. you know, you just can't seem to, you, you can't seem to think about a better solution and you just yeah. think, okay, the best thing to do is just to end it. I think if I take my life now, no one is going to, you know, come, come to my um, grave and, you know, ask me for money or, you know, you know, th there's been this case of people who borrow money online now and they, they go ahead to defame your character. That, that can be depressing also. And you might feel like, I, I don't even, you know, have value. People don't even value me. Again. I've been devalued, you know, it, it, calling people your friend, Mr. Hey, and be borrowed money. He's telling you, you know, the way those people call. Yeah. And yeah. the fact that they get to call the Very most important thing. people in your life, things mm -hmm. like that, so you can, can, you know, prompt getting, to, you know, you getting suicide at all. And most times, you see, okay, you speak about um, symptoms, you get to same people, things you notice in yourself. Yeah. Sometimes as little as changes in appetite, it, it looks so basic because, you know, there are times you just feel like eating and sometimes you don't feel like eating. I've experienced it before. Sometimes when I'm stressed, I can tend to eat more. Uh, I do that a lot. And these are some, I yeah. Eat a lot. Yeah, eat more <laughs> or just want to take something that is sugary. Yeah. You're just, I mean, um, that's to mop up the cortisol um, hormone. You know, cortisol is produced, the stress hormone produced oh. in, in your body. Okay. And, you know, the sugar you're taking is like a compensatory mechanism for it. Mm, so, and that's why you see like, okay, so for some people, you, you, you tend to, especially people who work in the middle of the night, you, you tend to just, just open your freezer or your fridge, get cold water. You just want to make that more chocolate. Beauty, beauty um, 100% you know, that's, that's a beverage <laughs> and you had plenty of sugar because you just need to, to stay alert and all of that. 100% And as simple that. as, yeah, as simple as not even eating at all, not having appetite. Have you been stressed? Not even stressed. Maybe something is going on in your life, and the the listing on your mind is just to eat. And that's why, in some cases, you see some people lose weight a lot because they're going through a, a challenges. And in some cases, too, you see people adding weight. I mean, it's just so crazy. <laughs> you see people adding weight, and for people like that. I, I know people will do emotional eating a lot. Any small thing like this, they just want to eat more. And once I said, I, I think I, I still corrected someone recently. I'm like, hope you're not depressed the way you're eating. And you know, the person was like, no, I'm not depressed. And I kept on probing for that until she opened up. So changes in weight, loss of interest in things you used to enjoy. Um, you know, sometimes you, you can have begin to experience um, low energy you you really i mean honestly want to do stuff you really have plans in your head you know multiple thoughts and all of that but you can just bring yourself to achieve really them. enjoy the drive to yeah to to even start even with mm. waking up to so some people when once they see like they break they, they are just depressed because they know that as much as i plan in my head i'm not going to achieve any of my to-do list even if i break it down into you know sometimes you know you know, coaches and all of that, they tell us that, okay, if it seems like it's too big, break it down to chunks of beats. Yeah. Even the beats, you are unable to do it. Even if it's just one five minutes that it seems like, you know, something so hard. Mm. As as little as inability to concentrate. And, you know, even in our social media, it, it's not something people, in, you know, people deal with attention deficits, mm. not being able to focus on pains. 
you know you can't just concentrate you know you do something within two minutes you know, your your mind is wandering from place to place then um sometimes too when you have these overwhelming thoughts overwhelming thought and something i used to say about overwhelm is that i think i've, I've heard of someone said describe it this way overwhelm in your life whatever you're going through is not about the load it's about how you carry it because mm. the reality and the truth is things will always happen to us at one point of your life or the other you would always experience something maybe you know something that demands a lot of mental energy things you need to demand yeah. it's possible to start a business and fail it's possible to invest and maybe you even took a calculated risk it's possible to lose all your money but you know being mentally you know prepared and you know you you're emotionally intelligent so now tell you okay despite what i'm facing you've learned ways of you know mechanisms and you've learned how to carry that load well so it's not just going to be about what you are carrying you know it's going to be how you carry i've seen people come you know they've had challenging times they've had difficult times and you will never know they won't even, you know, they won't even rant about it. They won't even complain to you. And it's not about like they are not opening up or they are living fake life. They've just learned how to deal with it. You know, they, they've learned to see it as not something that they can surmount, but something that with time they can deal with it. It's possible to all people. It's possible. It's possible to get a loan and start a business and you're unable to pay back. Yeah. But taking your life would be like, I mean, you don't want to take your life at rest. You you look for a speak to people about it, find it, you know, a repayment plan mm -hmm. or how you can make more money, you know, get stable and all of that. So there are a lot of things. Then most times when people begin to feel worthless, uncontrollable thoughts, you know, they begin to get nightmares. We have people in you know, there are people wow. who, who explain to you yeah, especially in cases of PTSD. You, you begin to see people um, describe them, you know, having, you know, the flashbacks of, or memories of things that have happened to them before. And it's possible that thing happened 12 years ago, sometimes 20 years ago, but they still get the wow. flashback. They still have the nightmare. So it's then sometimes to, you know, as a mental health person, you should be a behaviorist, observe people a lot. When you see, you know, changes in people's behavior, the way they respond, you know, maybe be, they begin to lose contact with their friends, you know, mm. probably it's, it's it's possible you you have friends who are so, you know, they are the life of the party, let me put that way, their energy is so high, and you really can match up with it, and you see them withdrawing from others, you know, you call them, they take like two days to respond, and I'm not saying if, you know, maybe you call a friend and the person didn't respond early, you're not like, oh, this person maybe battling with something but it has become a pattern you ask them questions they give you excuses why you know they are not the way they used to be and sometimes if you observe these people long enough you would know something is definitely wrong you know they begin to isolate themselves you know dissociating themselves from their friends and even you know and another thing especially as it relates to this is that when you begin to like if, if you're thinking and all you can come up with, I think it's better for me to die. When you begin to, to, to think that way, or you even begin to say it out. You know, you see people say, after a cuckoo die, you know, in the way like, some people will say, they, they would come up with phrases like that. So these are some of the signs. They are, they are numerous. I can begin to talk about them. I mean, they are numerous. They are numerous. Wow, you know, they, they are just... Yeah, they are, they are, they are lots here. Yeah, it's a long list, wow. but I think these ones are so important. And it's, it seems so little, they, they seem so simple, but these are some of the things to look out for. Yeah. They actually really do look so simple because I, I, as you start to, um, I, as you started to mention these things, I, I started thinking back at times where even I have, I've had such um, patterns, right? And, um, Especially stress eating. I, I say it a lot. Like I stress it. I yeah. know that I stress it. <laughs> I know I do that like hundred percent. 
um, every single time I, I face something that feels overwhelming or I, I can't deal with, I just, I, I resort to eating. <laughs> and, and I was talking about it one time that um, I, I feel like sometimes, ju just as he said, right, that particular stress hormone that the body um, excretes, um, you know, it, it uh, the sugar we get from food kind of finds a way to, you know, suppress those those hormones yeah so so knowing this pattern it's a whole lot. yeah it, it's a whole lot and now i'm 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 a man right i'm a guy male <laughs> whatever so so I, and you did mention you know along the line about how it's harder for even men to to you know open up and, and you've been having um more more men kind of like open up to you more recently um, within last year so these patterns yeah. especially for men um, i think that sometimes it, it it can be um it can still be hidden because i think males have this oh. this um this um very very yeah so like we we most of the time don't want to talk to people about how we feel even for me personally i think this is something i i had to learn how to take care of myself like Big time, big time. I have to really, really invest in knowing how to take care of myself. And it is why I happily stress it, um, to be honest. Because the thing for me is that I, I kind of know where to stop, right? I, I, I Once I feel better, I, I I channel the energy into something else, right? I know where to stop so it doesn't lead me into obesity or, or things like that. Because I don't used to work out. Um, I think I just started doing that like very recently. So I didn't used to work out before. So like stress it would most likely have led me into being obese. So yeah. so yeah, um for for many dudes, for many guys, it's it's hard to show these things. We I think we intentionally try to suppress it. For me, I barely I rarely talk to um my friends, family about how I feel. I barely talk to them about how I feel. So like how is it easy as a guy to speak up, right? And for for other guys that are, I mean, to to I want to be able to also identify patterns in my friends, you know, my other male friends. I want to be able to help them when I notice certain things in them. How do you think guys should handle their friends and themselves when they feel this way? How do you build the courage or or confidence? in men to actually talk about how they feel and not man up like they expect us to yeah or suck it up yeah <laughs> all right okay um i'll start with this actually the surveys and research around the world has, has shown that males everywhere are reluctant to talk about their mental health and they are more likely to die by suicide than females Wow. That means it's possible. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a fact. You can search it out on the internet. Males everywhere, and it's not just in Nigeria alone. So it's not something related to a locality or a nation. Mm -hmm. It's everywhere, and the number of people, the number of males, especially that commit suicide every year, is I think like four times more than than females. Well, wow. and. This has been a, a, a great issue. It's, it's been a very difficult issue, especially getting men to talk. And I think there's such a thing as, yeah, we know like there's stigma around mental health when people come out, open up about their mental health struggles and the like. But in particular, there's, men find it so difficult to um, talk about their mental health. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I don't know, maybe because it's it's gender-based or something like that, or because of the way society just sees men, like, you know, as if they don't have emotions also, as if they don't have feelings, or maybe because of this masculinity, and we just feel, you know, as a man, you shouldn't show it. You know, I was reading a trend on Twitter sometimes ago, and, you know, I, I saw ladies tweeting aggressively and saying, you know, men should cry. I mean, don't tell... You know, don't tell your five-year-old boy not to cry. Don't don't shout at him and say, or probably, and I'm not saying you should not turn to a cry baby, mm -hmm. but don't tell your five-year-old boy 
it yeah. all starts from there. You know, you see people say, uh, yeah, 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 if you're boy, in Europe, yeah, yeah, yeah you, you see people tell you like, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 those things we ate them more when we were much younger mm-hmm. and especially those were formative ages like that, that's between two and eight those were formative age when mm. you're taking a lot of things and those things are stopped stopped up in your subconscious mind wow. so later in life you begin to work them out and that's why you see even people who has gone through childhood trauma you begin to see certain events play out later in their lives even when they are 20, when they are 30, when they are 40. And it takes a lot of work to 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 undress and undo some subconscious conditioning because you've seen it as naturally you see a lady outside crying and you know everyone is just touched. Why is such a beautiful lady crying outside? But when you see a man cry, you know, there's just this natural response. Why is it crying yeah. in public? I mean, <laughs> I mean the, the society has, has mm-hmm. literally taught us that. I think one thing we can apply in getting our men to talk is you know be, i mean developing real and deep conversation with them mm-hmm. you know i i i know how guys greet oh guy how far i man i'm fine and all of those stuff yeah. and everyone is fine everyone just is know that fine is it's, it's it's not it's not it's not your response until you begin to probe for that and you discover that there are a lot of things be you know beneath that I'm fine. So being I think we should we should get we should get to educate ourselves. You know, you have a male friend, you're male and you have a male friend and men should talk about this in their own circle, not even maybe like inviting men, female you know, females there now. Getting to talk about real issues, having real conversations. And also opening up, it. I think it's a skill people should learn because there's some, just something that you open up too late. Hmm. I mean, things are already beyond repair before you begin to now talk out and you're like, oh, I've been battling with this thing for 10 years. I believe there should be a reorientation as to opening up. And of course, you know, when you're opening up, you're not just opening up to any kind of person. You're opening up to people who love you. And that's why... You you should have real friends to people who would support you. People who would not stop picking your cause because you told you know you, you opened up to them. Mm-hmm. People would hold you by the hand, even if they don't have your solution, they will look for one for you. You know, mm-hmm. you, you said something about the other guy the other time. Yeah. Friends who you wouldn't tell them I'm in financial debt and they will stop picking your cause. People who can mm-hmm. think with you, okay, guy, what can we do? Having Rekom, how do you feel? These are not feminine, you know, questions. I think this is, you know, one of the ways we can get our guys to talk to. And I think it should even be encouraged among guys, not just, you know, maybe in the mixed setting, having real conversation. And because once, you know, your mental health is touched, other areas will be affected greatly. I mean, someone who is not mentally okay, you can't even achieve goals. You can't even concentrate on your work, your relationship, your marriage, or all the things you do. So they should see it as an important aspect of their lives and then begin to invest in it. And by investing in it, that means, you know, you probably want to join a support group or a group of people that talk about um, mental health. Then you begin with that, you know, there's an increased awareness. You begin to break the barriers of, you know, you not wanting to speak up or opening up to people. Then you begin to get, you know, answers and solutions and that way. And you should really have people who prioritize, you know, who cementize as something that should be prioritized. Too. Don't surround yourself with toxic people that they don't see a need and they don't care if your mental health is messed up or not. So I think that's that's a good thing. And even as a friend to such people, a good thing is to become a conversationist, like initiating conversations, listening without judging them. Don't, I mean, no one should come to you to open up to you and, in one line, you've already judged the person. Ah, you messed up. The person knew, knows that you know he, he didn't do, do you know what was right, yeah. as the case may be. Yeah, so you you, sh- you shouldn't be judging them or or being. Um, and you know, there's a way we. Em- em- I don't even want to call it empathy. There's there's a way when people open up to you in this part of the world, we love to sympathize a lot. 
and that thing makes things worse like it looks like the person opening up called for a pity party and the only response you can give all through your conversation is a yeah and all of those stuff looks like what's this but empathy is there's there's a big difference between sympathy and empathy sympathy is just what i just described now can you hear me yeah can, can you tell us about that difference all right yeah that's what i was about to explain sympathy is when okay uh, i'm sorry to use this example maybe someone had an accident and Mm -hmm. the the leg needs to be amputated Mm -hmm. for instance so sympathy is when you see the person you just ah yeah so your leg is gone Uh -uh. so you won't walk with two legs again so you just want like you you know you you're going to live with with um for the rest of your life but empathy is saying the need and saying, wow, you know, you're compassionate. You're compassionate. Even if you're not saying for the, from the person's point of view, you're literally putting yourself in their shoes. You're compassionate without self-pity. And not just that. In that case, I'm not going to say, I'm not just going to tell me they hey, yeah, I'm going to break, you know, crutches for me. They, I need him to walk again. So that's, that's empathy. That's been empathy. Mm. So I'm not just going to be saying sorry or look at you from afar. I want to see you rise again. I want to see you, mm. you know, come back to, you know, to be the real you and, and continue in life. So that's the difference. Yeah, I hope I answered your question already. Yeah, yeah, um, that's, I think th- this matter is definitely something that requires a lot of patience and um, yeah. understanding and, and I, I respect people like you that that has taken the time to to you know dissect the the, the nitty-gritty and the details of dealing with um, um, mental issues as such and, and being able to provide solutions for people when they when they approach you and um, thank you for, for touching the part of especially with the males I think it's a very deep problem um with, with men and having them to be able to speak up and um with with what you said uh, it, it's it's easier to like um understand when you need to reach out and say hey i i noticed you you've been doing certain things lately i'm just checking in to be sure you're okay and um i, I read that um people feel more comfortable to talk to strangers than, than people they actually yeah, know because they won't judge them so and another thing I think people should know is that listening is also in form of social validation because mm-hmm. it involves all your senses and when you see people giving you, you know, that that attention, Around you know, it's just like yeah. just yeah, just picture someone, you know, sitting before you now, you know, making mm-hmm. eye contact, you know, giving you good body language responses and all of that. You know, giving you encouraging words. The person is asking you relevant questions in line of what you're discussing. Mm-hmm. The person is even asking you a question just to be sure. Okay, Mide, do you mean um, this is what you're trying to explain to me? Mm-hmm. Um, this is how you're feeling. And, you know, you are actively listening. Not the time, the, you know, someone is trying to discuss something important and you're carrying your point, you know, retweeting on, on Twitter or something like that. When, you know, Listening should should be it's 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 a goal of understanding. It, it should be with you. You know, you're listening with a goal of understanding. The reason why you know you pay so much attention is because you truly want to understand what the person is going through, what the person is is explaining, and you kind of want to see this from their own perspective. Then you have a bit better judgment. You know, and when I say judgment now, I'm not saying you should judge them and crucify them and say okay. Uh, you know, why did you leave your husband, or why did you fail your exams, or why did you borrow money? But you want to, and like, just like people will say, when people come to you like that, that's not the point to tell them, ah, uh-uh, why did you take a loan of three million naira? When you know you, you cannot repay, mm. they know already. That's why they've come to meet you. They know, they know. Okay, they, they probably took a you know irrational decision. They didn't think it through, or they made a bad choice. You know, marrying someone. Was not, you know, they, they married someone not even with red flags, wearing red flag, uh, red flag. So they don't need you to interrupt. Another thing in active listening is that you don't interrupt people. And 
honestly, a lot of us, especially your towns, we do that a lot today. Because you always have 10 replies for each statement the person is making. As the person is talking, you know, you just want to educate them. But the person first, then you cannot make your comments. And as I said, then you can introduce questions because the the goal of your for you listening is to ensure that you understand them and you're trying to reaffirm confirming the things they've said okay is this what you, you know it's possible for someone to pass a message across and the way you understand is different it's from different. The, where the yeah. person is expressing it yeah. yeah so the focus is that you want to understand them and it's it's possible that you probably disagree with their point of view and things they're explaining it's just like mm-hmm. someone saying okay i beat my wife and all of that probably you don't support you know and you should not support domestic violence and all of that but you know, if the person at that point sees it as, oh, she was not respectful, you know, so I slapped her, you know, I kicked her and all of those stuff. Well, that's not the focus for today. Mm. Then, you know, you you want to, you, you like I said, you want to not, you want them to really see. And it, your whole body should really be involved. Like, you, you really want to, you want to, you want to not, you want them to know that you're, really gets a need. So you, you can give them it's possible to even you know the way you listen to them can be therapeutic most times than even the response or whatever you have to say. So it's mm-hmm. not a matter of being a professional. It's not a matter of being a mentor, it's professional. Because mm-hmm. this can happen to and it's possible you find a stranger, a classmate, a colleague at work, you know, someone just reaching out to you and, you know, just trying to speak to you. This would work. Wow, that that has been really, really um nice. And uh, I can't thank you enough for um everything you've been able to t- to you know speak to us about today. Um they have been really helpful so far. And yeah. now that we know how to listen and um we also understand how to speak up, you know, you've talked about, you know, um being able to find out who who is really interested in speaking to you? You've talked about how we can truly listen to people. Um, so besides these two things you've mentioned, so I, I want to just have, in very few minutes, we're going to like close with this. Um, can we have a a step-by-step, um, should I say, um, walkthrough or action plans? When immediately you notice you feel a kind of way, what are the immediate action plans? So like, um, if like what are the immediate things you should do immediately you feel a certain way is it reaching out to somebody and um, telling somebody about it is it is there some things you can do by yourself is there a particular mindset yeah. that you try to get yourself into before you even think about talking to someone yet like maybe you feel that way right what do you do all right okay the first thing i would say and that i advocate is that every individual should learn how to coach themselves you should learn it. I mean, without having to reach out to a coach first. And this is not me um, putting a disclaimer on reaching out to a coach. Okay. But you know, even about the issue of mental health, everyone should be proactive about it. Mm. I said something the other time that if you are so mindful, and conscious of of your activities, by now you should have studied yourself enough to know that. Okay. For example, I I, I kind of like what you said the other time when you said. Um, you know, anytime you're stressed, you know, you just do emotional eating and you just eat a lot more. Yeah. Now that you are aware of it, okay, stress is inevitable. Yeah. You would still encounter stress in the future. Yeah. So how do I cope this act? It has been proactive about it. Now that I begin to notice something. So it's not like, it's just like people saying, um, okay, let, let me make a joke now. It's just like, you know, the way spiritual people would... You know, just probably you're going in front of your house and you just eat your, your feet against a stone. And the next thing you think is, let me call my pastor. I mean, that's, that's too basic. You shouldn't do that. It's, it's too basic. You should be, I mean, you shouldn't be calling people because of, um, or, or because of minor things like that. And I'm not, mm. I'm not trying to downplay how people feel. But I think you're learning to coach yourself. Um, being proactive about your mental health, investing heavily in mental health because you know that once your mental health is affected, you can continue. A depressed person cannot cannot be achieving goals. 
yeah, I know that there's some depression related. I mean, you can still do something, yeah. but it would ultimately affect you. You become ineffective in other areas of your life also. Or someone ideating, I'm planning to commit commit suicide. Person doesn't even have hope of living again, so he's already um, thinking about ways to, you know, one thousand ways to die and all of that. So as an individual, what should be done is anytime you notice some things, you know, I already said you have to be proactive about it. You can coach yourself. You can have reflection times. Okay, I think I've been sleeping too much. I've been oversleeping. I've been, you know, I've been having mood swings these days. What is really going on? Ask yourself questions. That's coaching yourself. Ask yourself questions. Okay, now that I notice that this has been the pattern in the last five months, or maybe because the exam stress, you know, happenings around Nigeria is really affecting me. I think yeah. I need to reduce my social media consumption. Mm-hmm. And if you practice that and you say that, okay, because you took a break just for 24 hours, your sanity was preserved. Or, or or you could feel you know that spark again like okay i think you know i'm more focused now i'm not um you know i'm not moving from instagram to facebook to twitter to linkedin mm-hmm. to you know whatever app other apps that are available and you see that it's worked for you it's helped you know get your act back together or as simple as taking issues sometimes just locking yourself up in the room for days, you know, you read Nigerian news and you're more depressed. Maybe you, you should just switch up your data. You take a stroll, you know, hang out with friends, go painting, go hunting, go fishing or something like that. Mm-hmm. Go swimming, you know, go out, watch a movie or, or do something to help. So maybe it would help. So when you now say that you've tried some of these things, because what we're teaching and advocating is you're aware of some of these things and you're able to take like, let me say, precautionary steps or or first line of action kind of, and you've yeah. tried this thing and you still see that you're relapsing, you're going back to that cycle. It's just looking like a, fish, uh, a cycle, you're going in back, you're going in there again and it's not working you've switched over you've even stayed offline for two weeks and it's all and you're more depressed then you need help then you need to seek for professional help speak to people that you know they're in, in you know experts in mental health or professionals or speak to a friend and sometimes all we need is just emotional support honestly sometimes all we need is just emotion someone that can just assure you of and this is not about you to be, you know, um, looking for people's validation all around or being addicted to approvals and all of that. What we just need is just probably a call from a friend. So I've tried all, uh, you know, coaching yourself, doing some of these things. You know, there are resources that can help you. And please mind you, take resources from, you know, recommended people. Can help in in some of these situations. Then, when you see that it's not changing, or when you know that, you know what your passenger is really beyond you. Maybe you need mm-hmm. to see a therapist, really, mm-hmm. or even see, you know, someone. You know, maybe you even need to see a medical doctor. And yeah, because there are some cases that, or most cases that, requires clinical diagnosis, and wow. maybe you need to start taking drugs or something like that yeah wow that's... So I, I believe these are swept one things that people should practice that's that's uh, really um, intense thank you so much for those steps and i think um i think maybe i have maybe two last questions for you i think while you were talking i i, um, I, I had several questions up in my head um the first thing is relating to when you said something about people reaching out to their pastors and um yeah so starting from that right what do you think about um religion and dealing with mental health um so i'm asking this question because we're in a very very religious country or continent as a whole right so let's let's be specific shall let's say nigeria we're in a very religious country and there's always this factor of um people would say oh um, I, I'll be fine. Um, I can just talk to God, mm. right? People will say, "Oh, if you're feeling bad, just go into prayers." Um, 
sometimes even when you, when you go ahead and actually talk to your pastor your pastors will tell you okay let's pray together let's fast and pray together yeah what do you think about religion and mental health does it help or does it make the case worse all right um okay that's that's a very nice question and um it's possible that i might not fully answer you know in a but i'll, I'll try as much as possible to give a more rounded answer yeah yeah like you said religion is part of people's life mm -hmm. and spirituality is something that but i believe spirituality can have a positive impact on mental health you made mention of you know it's possible that you open up to a spiritual leader that okay this is what i'm feeling this is what mm -hmm. has been happening to me maybe you have family challenges and all of that mm -hmm. and the person prays with you yeah the goal of the prayer i believe is not just you know just you know just to get prayed, to get answers and as as much as possible get help also mm -hmm. and um when you talk about spirituality and even I'm, I'm talking about research based now it has helped people tolerate stress yeah. and you know um find a sense of meaning for their lives and that's one of the things that you know even therapists tell you especially for you know depressed people you know finding a source of meaning for their life you know mm. getting the reason why they are existing for for example you know someone that's been so depressed they feel like they do not have purpose you know, they feel dissociated, you know, like there's no meaning to life. And we've seen from research how that how when people connect with their purpose, there's just this sense of, you know, that, you know, they are truly living. So I won't totally downplay the role of religion or spirituality in, you know, the impact it has on mental health. However, um, okay, I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Christian. And one thing I've just seen from the word of God also is that God prioritizes our mental health. Mm. At least I can say for that. I can say for other religion. Mm. So it, it has a great impact. Then the balance now is now not to over-spiritualize things. Because people do that a lot. That's the part I fear. That's the part I fear, right? Because yeah. um, like, like I said, we're a very, very religious country. So how do you make sure you don't over them? Mm -hmm. Because I, I, I can, I, I've also listened to like a couple of people talk. Yeah, I think, and, um, yeah. yeah, I'm listening. Okay, I've, I've read it from a spiritual leader bef before that, that, you know, one of the reasons why you be brave is so that you would think and apply common sense in a certain situation. That's one reason God, God gave you brain. So in some cases, it's just like me saying, Waking up, or maybe my schedule is so is just so packed, and I'm not having proper and enough sleep. Yeah. Getting cranky, irritable, you know, shouting at bellies and all of that. Maybe what I just need is to sleep, eat, and just to rest, or something like that. And you know, if if, if I'm not over spiritualizing it, I work in my you know my employees are complaining things are not going, and maybe it's even affecting my productivity because I work and I'm snoring or, or sleeping at work. Mm. It has become a pattern with you. And maybe this is even guilt, negligence, or the way you just can do your things and the way you do your thing. And I now begin to see it as, oh, maybe something is happening to me, you know, even spiritually. People don't like me. I don't love those stuff. And you begin to, you know, spiritualize. Or you have an unresolved crisis zone in your life mm. that we just take... Yeah, I'm not saying you shouldn't pray. I'm not discouraging prayer. Instead of solving that crisis, or you will spiritualize it. So you just pray. Even when you pray, God will give you the wisdom to, to, you know, open your eyes to answer and things you should do, get some instructions. So I think even with that, people shouldn't over-spiritualize things. Where common sense is needed, it should be applied. Yeah. Wow. Uh, thank you very much. I think uh, I, I thought I had two questions, but that would actually be my <laughs> my only question for you. Um, it has been right. super, super amazing to get to speak with you. I mean, we planned I think thirty minutes. This is um, the recording yeah. is going for almost one hour, o over an hour actually. Um, the total recording we have yeah. here. Yeah, there was yeah there was <laughs> a part here. Yeah. Um, 
thank you so so much for doing this i really really appreciate it um thank you for making out the time and um i am still going to be in contact with you because i'm sure that by the time this goes out so many people will want to reach out so many people would want to um probably um so many people will you know recognize new things about themselves and want to maybe talk more ask questions and things like that i hope i can always um point people to you if uh, when sure. if and when they do ask yeah, sure um yeah thank you once again for this mm. Thank you. That's that's all I can just say. Just thank you very much. Um, do enjoy. Thank the rest you, Midi, for having me. Of your week.